0: Welcome to Deep Drinks Podcast, where the drinks are deep and the conversations are deeper. Welcome everyone to a very fun episode of Deep Drinks Podcast. So if those who don't know, this is a, a podcast where we choose, where the guests choose their favorite drink and we drink it together as we discuss deep topics. And already... We have had a multitude of fun little technical quirks uh, and uh, and scheduling uh, errors, mostly on my part. So uh, it's been a fun morning. So welcome. Thanks, everyone, for coming out. Um, and let's just jump straight into this. So my guest today is feral pastor's wife, Emily, who is a religious deconstruction, deconstruction advocate, podcaster, and content creator from Nashville, Tennessee. Emily is the creator of Feral Pastor's Wife, a TikTok account with 70,000-plus followers, and Feral Ministries, a refuge for those questioning their faith. She's been called a slave of Satan, lost, uh, and that she's going to hell. Somet- sometimes Christians even leave comments demanding the spirit of the Antichrist to come out. Uh, that's right. Since I left Christianity, exorcisms have, become, have come a long way. Uh, now, apparently, you can command the spirit of the Antichrist to come out of people through the comment section. Uh, well, actually, apparently it doesn't work um, because I'd like to welcome Emily and possibly the spirit of the Antichrist. Welcome, Emily.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's Hey, guys, <laughs> it's us. <laughs> <laughs> what an introduction. Yeah. I see yeah. you've um you've you've seen my latest videos for responding yeah, to the haters. Yeah.
0: You're you it's amazing how much um how much Christian love you get in the comments. Um no hate people, like
1: Christian love, man. Yeah.
0: People seem to really um take issue with your your content. And I don't even think it's I don't know why. It's not even that like um like yeah. brutal. <laughs>
1: Well, you should have seen me in my early days. So when I started this, it was, now I'm trying more to help people bring certain systemic issues to light and generally just have a fun and crazy time. But when I started this, I was just sort of rage posting about my experiences. And so the first video that I ever did that really popped off was called five christian concepts that make me do mental gymnastics and so i think that kind of set the tone for a lot of people um because the christians do not like being mocked um especially when you're mocking the bible it is very very touchy so i think i kind of have a reputation because of that but otherwise i think i'm pretty tame
0: (laughs) yeah i I think you're you're quite tame i just i went through your entire catalog yesterday just like researching like for the interview did you like delete certain videos or like private them or something
1: i made well i made that one private yeah <laughs> because i was well i realized also that i had said something that was sort of inaccurate and so that mm-hmm. I, I can handle the hate but if i realize that i've said something wrong then i i don't want that to be like spread out but also the yeah. hate was really intense so there are some things that i've kind of been like okay i want to switch from you know rage posting and um antagonizing christianity mm. to helping people who are leaving so the tone has shifted and i've adjusted uh thusly
0: yeah and that you can really see that coming through in you know we normally promote this later on but i need to promote it now feral ministries podcast people this is the an awesome podcast there's only like what two episodes out at the moment uh, i yeah, listened to the two. first one
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's really really good really good production value um and the topics are awesome yeah and there's there's a section in i haven't had the chance to show uh, my wife but there's a section in here about talking to um family about how like how to have that that hard conversation when they press Mm -hmm. you about like why don't you go to church anymore and things like that so that was really like actually genuinely helpful so thanks so much for listening
1: yeah
0: it's really good um and uh can you maybe give us a, a, a like explain to us where Feral, uh, Feral Pass's wife comes from, where the name comes from?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I can. So, I, I thought of that name. So, my therapist actually suggested that I start making TikTok videos. Um, I had been talking a lot about my religious trauma and sort of processing that, the effects that it's had on my life, while also having a real uh, desire to do something creative. So she was like, well, why don't you start, you know, just just pump out, you know, one video a week. Um, and I think in the back of my mind, I knew this was what I wanted to do-do. Like, I really wanted to take this as far as possible. So I was thinking about what to call myself. And uh, while I was in line at a Sonic drive-through, I thought, what better symbolism than a pastor's wife who has just gone fucking nuts because the pastor's wife is a symbol of someone who has power, but is also on the other hand, oppressed by the system that has given them that power. Right. (laughs) And so it's just sort of this, like, I don't know, this like dissonance. And and I just loved that symbolism. So I started doing that. um, uh, Yeah. Calling myself that. And um, it seemed to be a hit.
0: So it, it, like, so I think I know the exact video that I, cause you know, with TikTok, you, you rarely follow someone like for, for me, I, I don't really follow many people, but when, when someone does something that's just so like, I, I get like, I, I can, it, someone, when someone just creates a, an absolute banger of a video that I lose it at, I will usually follow them. And I think I found the video that I followed you with. Um <laughs> I want to show everyone, but but first, what are we drinking? I forgot to even mention what we're drinking. What are we drinking? What did you? We're
1: drinking White Russians, baby. Merry Christmas, happy holidays.
0: Mm. It's um very very dangerous, very delicious. Um, It is. So so this is the video that I'll show just a little clip of it because you might be it might be hard to i don't know if you like watching your own videos but this is so depends good. on which one <laughs> i'm for a creature to live a life of luxury
1: and to fly around in private jets what's your response to that very, very simple, simple. It, takes it takes a lot of money, money to do, do what we do we, we have brought, brought over 100, 100. Let's, let's see this <laughs> the, the latest, latest figures figure just, just came out, out. Uh, 122, <laughs> 122 million people to the Lord of Jesus Christ. Christ. Let, Let me, me give you another example. example. Last, Last May, I was scheduled for Lagos Nigeria. Nigeria. That's, That's a long, long ways.
0: <laughs> I just love how like you're just so on point. How long did it take you to um to, to do that to like like
1: an like an hour? Not that long at all. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's so classic. It's a great meme. Thank you.
1: He is so crazy. I don't know if you know much about Kenneth Copeland. Oh. He is insane.
0: Oh, I do. Um hang on, let me I, I this was some guys th- we're getting to the end of the year. This is going to be a little bit more casual than the typical um episode, but let me show you something. What do you know about Kenneth Copeland? A lot. What
1: do I know? <laughs> yeah, I uh, want you to more <laughs> okay. more than I want to.
0: <laughs> so so I I don't know I couldn't find this anywhere online I actually ordered uh the DVDs of this um and I don't even know if uh if it's going to come up but I, I spent 35 dollars on Kenneth Copeland ministries to get these uh because I grew up on these my mom without a job living on uh, welfare sent him 500 dollars uh, back in the 90s uh, believing in <laughs> the prayer or whatever oh yeah so th- but this I don't know if you know about this. But this this is an old Kenneth Copeland series.
1: Let's use this country to our advantage. We can ride a good ways in these streams, and we might come across a buffalo trail.
0: Why would we want to do that? Well, Elmer, if those outlaws decide to follow us, it'll make it awful hard for them to pick up a trail. <laughs> so, what? so he's got like he's got like a trilogy of cowboy movies that are all about secular like,
1: cowboy movies
0: like well they're they're like part of his ministry so there's like a little altar call at the end and stuff but they're full big budget movies where like the bad cowboys come and then like so that one is from a clip called treasure on an eagle mountain and spoiler alert what happens is an old man gives his son directions like to a treasure map where he left all his gold. But then when they when Kenneth Copeland and his buddies help him find it, they open it up. There's only just a Bible inside. And the guy gets really mad and he's like, Oh, this is ridiculous. And then Kenneth Copeland's like, That's the Lord's word, son. And then, um, and then anyway, he decides to give his life to God and he's reading the Bible. And then inside the Bible are the real instructions to the real gold. And then he runs off and he gets the real oh.
1: Real but Wait, only... what an M Night Shyamalan <laughs> twist.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's
1: insane. So he <laughs> produced a movie that he also starred in yeah, for yeah, his yeah. ministry.
0: Yeah. Wow. I think I'm pretty sure. And so like it's nowhere like I've uploaded it I was thinking about doing like uh, like watching it on stream, and so I've uploaded it to YouTube. It doesn't get copyright strike, so because it's so old now, and you can only get it on DVD. So we might actually watch it. And for those down the bottom here, you can see we've got a thousand subscriber charity stream. When we get to a thousand subscribers, I'm doing a six hour charity stream. We might watch a little bit of it then. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But um, but yeah, Kenneth Copeland, amazing. i <laughs> just So crazy. Like that.
1: And what's what's even crazier is that he is not unique like there mm. are multiple Kenneth Copelands which I could name I could expose them but we all know who they are and it's just like okay
0: <laughs> yeah it, it i know it's i know um it's crazy so you you how long has it been since you've deconstructed your faith
1: um well i mean i see it Not as not as much black and white. I see it, you know, sort of as like a fluid process. I think I'll be deconstructing my faith probably for the rest of my life. Um, But I got to the point where I could say I'm not a Christian in 2017. Okay. So it's been a couple years.
0: Yeah, that's that's similar. I think that's similar to me actually. I think that's about the same time. Really. Uh, What was your background?
1: Well, that's uh, a loaded so, question, but like church-wise, like th- denomination.
0: No, right? I was I was a Pentecostal youth pastor um at one stage. So wow. um you know, speaking in tongues, laying on of hands, um, all that. We had like sometimes we had like 110 people come, like youth come to the youth group, and you know would preach and very like, very like, um, like, kind of like Holy Spirit orientated church or totally. like, youth group. Yeah. Yeah. How about yourself?
1: Signs signs and Wonders. Um, Mm. Sort of the opposite. I was Southern Baptist. um, So in my actual, uh, the church that I attended or what I would have called my home church, there was a youth pastor who left because he believed that he could speak in tongues. Um, So very legalistic. um, Mm. Not so much the signs and wonders. I think we have the same cup, by the way. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to get us off track, Um, but anyways, but I was I was raised Southern Baptist, but I admired so much the more charismatic movement because all of my friends were really into Christian celebrity culture, so that of like Bethel Mm. Hillsong things like that. So I was sort of in that culture, but
0: Bethel like so we had this group of people at our church called that are called Bethelers because they everything else was like not holy enough but Bethel was like the pinnacle of holiness yeah and they would always like whenever we would play Hillsong music they'll be like oh like you know like we should be playing Bethel Bethel is like oh the,
1: interesting
0: yeah and they'll be like and they were like, we just went to a Bethel affiliated conference, and they just kicked the whole night off with um two and a half hours of worship. It was amazing, and I'm like, yeah. two and a half hours. I'm like, yeah, that's a long time. That's yeah, like a, so that's I, a long time to stand. Like that's totally. A long time.
1: We were really because I was a worship leader um all throughout high school and early college, and I was really influenced by Jesus Culture, which is sort of like a Bethel mm. spinoff, like derivative. You probably familiar yeah, I, will,
0: with I will. I will waste my life is one of their songs. I think or I don't <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Chris Kilala, you know, all, that whole crowd. Um, but anyways, I and I would go to their concerts and just so heavily influenced by them. So I would take that back to my Southern Baptist church and um, it was so poorly received. Like we would, we would like kind of marinate in the spirit during worship and you could tell everyone in the crowd was just like, like extremely yeah. uncomfortable. So it's, yeah.
0: Did, did you do that thing where you turn, even though you're on stage in front of, hundreds of many cameras and people, you turn around? Did you do that thing where, like, because Jesus culture, like, they turn to the side or they turn around as, like, you know, on stage? Did you do that at all or was that not something you're aware of?
1: No. Like, just turned around, like, to sing?
0: Like, it was like, I'm not performing. I'm, it was like a little like wink, wink. It was like, I'm not performing to the crowd. I'm having a moment with Jesus. So they would turn and to the side and be like, oh God, like, or whatever. It's like a little. We had our thing. own
1: variations of that. Yeah, so um, yeah. I would say similarly, we would like take the shoes off. Right. That's a big um, oh, okay. thing um, down on the knees, you know, like singing with the mic out here. No one can really hear you, but they see you like crying and singing, you know, like that kind of thing. Definitely, definitely. oh
0: wow. so so what kind of Christian were you like southern Baptist, did you did you believe in speaking in tongues or any of that kind of stuff, or is it not really?
1: um i I hmm. that that specific question is really interesting because I really wanted to, but I think even at that point, there was something in me that was like,
0: this is bullshit <laughs> <laughs> I'd never had that moment. I was like, this really? is a sign from God. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. So, did you speak in tongues?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can still speak in tongues. It's, um, it's, it's, yeah. It's, Should um, about a
1: Honda, but about a Kia?
0: Yeah. That's, there you go. You just spoke in tongues. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. You just, you I just get... got
1: chills. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that just making words up?
0: No. So, like so well okay i'll tell you i'll tell you my story and and um so i remember when i wanted the gift of tongues i went running i went for a run or a walk at night and prayed to god to receive the gift of tongues like i was kind of walking away from god at the time like it's when i moved up with my dad and and i was living with my dad and i was like i went and prayed and i got the gift of tongues and then another time i went out like i was just like praying, and I think because I was by myself, I could just say start saying like, like Like I just started like saying things that were coming, like just coming, coming to you kind of thing. Uh, and the more you do it, like the more you feel the the feeling. I guess the the or whatever. Anyway, I did it twice, and then I kind of like backslid. I guess you you could say. And then when I went to. I had this like moment where I became like what I would, what I would say was like my God moment where, you know, I was looking down at a puddle of tears and crying in the youth group when I, after I'd walked away for a few years and stuff. And, um and I, um and that's when I, uh, a few weeks after that, we went to a a youth camp. So I got introduced to this. I'm just going through my story really quickly. Went to a youth, youth camp. And in the, that youth camp was wild. We like, my friends were having, that I knew from school were having like fits on the ground next to me for hours. Um, people were passing out in the worship sessions. Um, and it was in one of those where we're all praying for um, people in like a huddle that I started speaking in tongues again. Um, and it's kind of like, it's one of those things where, and they, they talk about this. It's like, you step out in faith. So you start making noises and you step out in faith through those noises. So yeah. And then eventually, but I will say there is a difference between what I did just then and when I'm really what I call slain in the spirit and then start speaking, like it's it sounds different. So ah. yeah. so yeah.
1: do you still go to church then?
0: No, no. I'm an agnostic atheist. I don't believe in God at all. But the <laughs> like, speaking in
1: tongues part is still, still feels true to you?
0: No, no, not at all. Like I, I just oh. think, yeah, I can do it. I just don't think there's anything to it. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. before
1: I said, you know what I said, right? What did you say? Shoulda bought a Honda, but I bought a Kia.
0: I didn't know that.
1: That's like what everybody at my church would
0: like. Shoulda bought a a Honda, but I
1: bought a Kia. That's like the thing that people say when they want to pretend that they're speaking in tongues.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were just like actually trying to speak in tongues
1: no but that's so fun that's so interesting i think like man i i would love to believe some of that stuff i i can't get past the emotional manipulation
0: part i look i love that you just was sitting here thinking that like i believe in speaking in tongues and you're like what podcast did i just come on to like okay
1: in the- my defense you made it sound that way <laughs> hey hey, listen it's all love brother like i would have been like yeah like i'm interested i don't want to dismiss your experience i'm I'm open to hearing about it
0: no so um yeah so like i guess uh, like for people who may ask in the comment section like i had these experiences and i had experiences that were incredible incredibly powerful uh but at the same time that i was having those experiences people from other religions were having their experiences Uh, i know people in other religions who um, talk about um you know i had a i had a family member who talked about going to some like eastern thing where they were praying for something that was happening in tibet and they something happened in the room and they all fell over and they were laughing and and like um blessing each other and doing you know like just all it it was like hysterics right so because just because so i had these experiences and then i try and attach a truth claim to those experiences jesus and the bible must be real because i'm having these experiences and then someone of another religion saying you know um uh my religion krishna um is real allah is real or whatever and attaching a truth claim to their religion i just don't think you can make that leap because it's there's too many experiences i don't deny the experience i just deny the conclusion that people reach from mm. investigating an experience yeah
1: yeah that makes yeah. a lot of sense yeah and that's but a I think that's a inf- mm-hmm, go
0: ahead I was just gonna say, I think it's important important to to be honest. So like this whole whole thing for me, and we'll get into get into your story with the the Ken Ham versus Bill Nye um debate. I'm sure you made a TikTok about it. I remember watching that and, and thinking, man, Ken Ham is like extreme being extremely dishonest in this conversation. And Bill Nye just looks like he's really being intellectually honest. And I think it's yeah. important that people you, you remain um, you remain intellectually honest. So I have to say how it was, like, that's how was, how the experience was for me. I don't try and like sugarcoat it or whatever, or, or make it sound like, oh, it was all in my head. Like I had these experiences. I do believe they're all in my head or they were, or something was going on, but I, do, I don't attach a truth claim to them. I just go, okay, yeah. there's some experiences I had. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love that. and And that's so true. I mean, like, bill nye even says in that debate or actually afterwards when they're walking through the Ark uh, at the creation museum you have to abandon a certain level of intellect to continue to make these claims because mm-hmm. the truth is is even if you believe those things you can say this is my experience this is what i believe but you can't say this is fact you can't jump yeah. to that conclusion and i think that's people want it to be fact but the truth is is if it's fact, then there's no faith involved, right? Like mm. you you're there has to be faith involved. And um that's been something that I've been thinking about too. It's like that my experiences are valid, but but the claims that I make, you know, matter.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's uh I think if you watch that video, I think if there's a few little like little s- sections where you can see uh Aaron Ra in the background, he's like walking behind.
1: I don't know uh, who that Ken is. Him.
0: Oh, Arun Ra. He's like the um, he's like the head of the atheist uh, atheist of America. I think he was. He's like long haired. He made the foundational falsehoods of creationism. Yeah, he's he's, he's, he's a he's a big name okay. in the atheist. So community. he
1: was with Bill Nye's crew, Roland with He was with like no, no,
0: no, no. He was just in the background, like following them along, like watching. It's just funny to oh, see. Oh, like, okay. Oh, there's Arun Ra in there. Like that's so funny. Wow. Um,
1: I always but, assumed that everyone there was a uh, in the ham crowd. Yeah, because it's yeah. at his place, and it was in the middle of Kentucky. So I'm like, yeah. Yeah, everyone there, was yeah, his crew.
0: Um. So. So yeah. So, ha- what led you? I guess, like, what kind of Christian were you, and how did that your faith start to unravel? Can you lead us through your journey a little bit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll try to keep it brief. Um, so I was raised in christianity um but on a, on what i would say now is maybe like a more surface level um obviously it's a spectrum but my high school self would have called my parents lukewarm christians and that's yes, yeah, same, same. New- Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, they're going to church when it suits them. Um, We're in church Christmas and Easter. I know the Bible stories, but nothing is being um, enforced at home uh, spiritually. And so it's more about the culture, right, than the belief. So Mm -hmm. when I was in late middle school, I was introduced to a group of people who it was not just a culture we could argue about whether or not it is but for me at that point it was not just a culture it was a part of their dna and mm-hmm. um so i was indoctrinated into that space um as as a young person um and i became very very involved with that church they were that's the southern baptist church i told you was my home church and It troubles me how quickly it happened because I was so young. I was sort of love bombed um, and immediately given a pedestal. Like I was a worship leader quicker than I like a New York minute, like quicker than I could even blink. And um, at the age of 13, you know, on stage in front of all these people. So immediately as a 13 year old, I am um, juggling you know, my family isn't really super into this, but like these people are telling me that there's this spiritual war going on around me and, and people are prophesying over me, telling me I have a future in worship and ministry. And so that changed the whole trajectory of my life. I went to school, to co- uh, to college to be a worship leader um, because so many people had told me that that was what I was meant to do. And mm. um,
0: that's the same when- with me and you being a youth pastor.
1: Really people like affirmed Mm. that when you were growing up.
0: Yeah. People said like, I literally had in that, in that camp, I had people stop the middle of the prayer meeting. Like other youth point to me and say, you're going to do big things. And I was just like, okay. And that was three weeks after getting quote unquote saved. So I had this like, this like, like, a oh, no, harry potter complex i guess like the, the one child the neo complex kind of thing
1: oh totally because as a child for the first time maybe for some people in their life their ego is being fed right and that's a mm. very powerful thing for a um a formative young mind and you would be surprised how high you jump when you think that god is talking to you through someone else mm. and so when yeah. someone comes up to me lays hands on me and says god just told me your future is in worship ministry As a fourteen-year-old, of course it is. Why wouldn't Mm. it be? Mm. So I really uh, leaned into that. You know, it was the bubble, which I'm sure that you you can uh, probably relate to. When you're in that bubble, you don't really experience a lot of other things. You're not experiencing other ideas, other people with with different ideas. Um, but that Ken Ham Bill Nine debate was the first time that I felt the critical thinking part of my brain kind of start to rev up because we mm. were in, uh, we were in youth group when they showed it and we were all sitting there and they were playing this. And of course, everyone in the room is on Ken Ham's side, uh, which is creation for those who haven't seen, it's a debate about whether or not creation is a viable model of origins for the universe. Um, mm. And at the at that time everybody's like, Oh, Bill Nye's an atheist. Can you believe it? Um I, so I don't watched... even know if he is.
0: I think he is, isn't he? But it's like it's like he he's is, a very yeah. soft atheist soft atheism. It's not like a yeah. This um, is it. or is it like
1: he's soft in this because he didn't want his personal beliefs to detract from the evidence, but in, in real life he's very vocal about being an atheist.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. It's amazing so, they, yeah. i watched it like ten times.
1: Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's, Mm. and a lot of people didn't want it to happen because they didn't want to give Ken Ham a platform. Um, But just the range that it provided to the millions of children Mm. watching in church like me at home, who was looking around the room, like, are we not going to admit that Bill Nye's sort of smashing right now? Like he's, Mm. he's saying so much that sounds really true. Um, Mm. I think they actually cut it off early if I, if I believe, or if I remember correctly, Um, because they were kind of like, uh-oh, uh-oh, he's making a little too much sense. Mm. Um, So after that, I was kind of like, hmm, maybe I should start exploring different ideas. And um, then college was when I really started broadening my mind. I joined a comedy troupe. I was introduced to a lot of people who did a lot of drugs and loved them. (laughs) They really opened the door for me to sort of accept that you can be good morally without a – without a religious standard, like a religious compass. And so that was really interesting. And um, I've been on that journey since and it's gotten easier and easier, but I am constantly surprised by how deep the programming is and how triggered I become about certain stuff. It is really, Mm. after all this time, like it will be a lifelong journey. um, I believe for me to deprogram fully.
0: What, what triggers you if you don't mind me asking?
1: Well, for example, um, when I first started doing TikTok, I was surprised by the things that people would say that really triggered me. Um, Also, I'm sorry. I just realized I might need to go and grab my Mac computer. I was so flustered that I didn't, uh, my Mac charger before this started. I'm so sorry. Maybe you can ramble um, during that time, but yeah, it's very, okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I'm triggered by TikTok comments, people telling me that I'm going to hell. Uh, people telling me that I was never a Christian really triggers me because um, you have no idea how Christian I was, right? <laughs> I, know, like, I know. You have no fucking clue. I know. Um, yeah. yeah. And family, you know, reaching out randomly. We get letters and texts from certain family members um, conveying their concern for us. And um, that's really triggering. It's a lot. It's a lot. I-
0: I just love like when someone tells you they're not like you were never a true Christian and then you like look at their profile. I like judge them so str- like they'll they'll have like you know political alliances in their bio or they'll be um, or they'll swear in their comments and it's like buddy, I didn't even wear like brand name clothes because I thought that I'd be idolizing those like companies. Like yeah. chill out. Like I was, I yeah. was. <laughs> there like i was like i used to walk past rubbish and have like a compulsion to pick it up because yes. i thought that like that's what jesus would do like yeah. like you like i stopped
1: be... talking to my parents for a week because my mom drank uh, a glass of cabernet with it <laughs> like literally <laughs> okay on that note, i'm gonna grab my yeah. trigger real quick sorry right. everybody right.
0: no worries and i'm going to take this time to promote uh our lovely uh, podcast so everyone check out feral ministries podcast which is it's actually it's actually good it's great um and of course, Feral Passes wife on TikTok. It is it is so good, great content, great content, funny, but also informative and helpful, which is um which is really awesome. And of course, everyone, we next week is the last episode of Deep Drinks podcast, and we have Derek, uh, who I was talking to this morning, uh, and it's going to be called it's going to be the Derek knows everything Christmas special because Derek literally talks to more biblical scholars and professors of religion and like literally he 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 is the the person on the internet putting out the such a diverse uh, amount of academic thought around religion so what better what better guest to have on uh, on the Derek knows everything Christmas special where I'm just gonna sit there it's gonna be very casual and we're just gonna sit there and we're gonna ask him questions Jesus mythicism what really happened with Jesus uh, in the tomb like what are the different perspectives did someone hide his body did they not hide his body like um, uh, who wrote the Gospels you know we know that they're anonymous things like that so we're going to be just drilling, uh, Derek, um, about this over a latte. For me, it'll be 4 AM. It's going to really piss off, uh, my roommate who shares, uh, we share a wall. Um, but he's, he's, he's okay with that. Uh, and yeah, that's going to be awesome. So if you like content like this, make sure you subscribe to check out that. And then we actually have our our second guest. I haven't announced the first guest, but the second guest of, uh, deep drinks podcast is 2023 which is seth andrews and we're going to be going over seth andrews um book deconverted as well as his story uh which is which is obviously he's uh the an amazing uh, atheist um uh, advocate so that's going to be he runs the thinking atheist blog so and uh youtube series so fantastic stuff so anyway emily you are back and i just realized i wasn't even sharing the screen sorry everyone <laughs> There's this Derek knows everything Christian special, and there's the deconverted with Seth Andrews. This today has been a, an absolute nightmare with the tech. I've been I don't know what's going on, but I've been stumbling around like crazy. I've got I, got, I guess I got too much on my mind. Um, have you got your charger all good?
1: Yes, we're good to go. Awesome. I've also been what? flustered today, so sorry about
0: that. <laughs> That's all right. It's a flustered kind of time of year. It uh, is. Autumn. Autumn Sweet said, Your story gave me chills. At 13, I had a um, same worship leader experience, scarily similar. Thank oh, you, wow. Autumn, for your comment.
1: Hope you're in therapy, girl.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, how good is therapy? You go to therapy?
1: I do. Yeah, it's I do. so good, right? It is really, really, really good. Um, you have to click, you know, you have to shop a little bit to find the person that is going to help you the most. But yeah, I've been going for over a year now. And uh, the personal development that I've seen has been tangible in my life. Mm-hmm. So highly recommend.
0: I've been going to therapy, you know, I used to have a really bad anxiety disorder, like after I left with mm-hmm. the faith or ran out Tom. time. Um, and uh, I've been seeing someone for, you know, different people for years. Uh, and now I just see someone like, spontaneously like every four or five months I will go go back in talk totally. about things yeah yeah so it's um yeah it's been really good but one thing there's this meme that i saw and it was like so accurate um it was like the the worst part about going through therapy is then having to deal with people who obviously need to go to therapy but just refuse to for the rest of your life and it is yeah. so true it's just like yeah. people come to you with their problems and you're like just go to, just please, please go see someone. Like you can, I know you can be so much happier. You don't have to struggle like this.
1: I know. Um, I think everybody should be in therapy. And it's kind of like, you know, the people that yeah. I've talked to, at least in my family, who I'm like, you should really be in therapy. <laughs> They're like, well, I don't have, I'm not having a crisis. And I'm like, you don't have a crisis yeah. every time you go to the doctor's office. Like you go to make sure that mm. you're preventing disease. Right. So yeah. it, it can be, I think the older generations especially have very different um opinions and just experiences mm. with therapy it's a lot of stigma attached
0: yeah it's like a lot it's like uh you know the older generation is like oh did you hear that she's in therapy it's like it's like a exactly. it's like a secret where this generation is like so i went with my therapist this morning and well, like walking to a coffee yeah. shop just like yeah yeah um, Definitely. i'm
1: glad it's being so normalized though i think it's incredible
0: yeah yeah it's it's um it's really beneficial uh and I have, um, funny enough, I have people in my friend circle and my family, um, who won't go to therapy because they believe that it's like, they, they very much need to go to therapy, but they believe it's like turning their back on God because they believe that God, God, God should fix their problems. Like, like, and not going and going to therapy is like stepping outside of the realm of faith.
1: Yes. Yes. I, yeah, I never heard the idea of mindfulness of mental health, even really when I was in the church. Um, mm. And that's because you are supposed to be dependent on God for those things. And if, if you're not okay, then it's a, you problem, right? Like either you're not believing hard enough, praying hard enough. Like the posture of your heart is not right. It's mm. uh incredibly, incredibly damaging.
0: Yeah. Hugely. Um, so, so, did you have like a moment in your journey where you're like, okay, like now I don't think I'm a Christian anymore, or, or when you like, how did you go from watching the Ken Ham versus Bill Nye debate to being like, okay, this is this is this is whack? Like, how did you make mm. that? Tra- what was that transition?
1: Hmm. Good question. You're a talented interviewer, by the way. I, I when I'm interviewing people on my podcast, I kind of lose my way, but you have. A- <laughs> You're really staying, you know, focused. So that's really I feel good.
0: like I feel like I'm not, but thank you. But like you I I've had I had someone who mentioned that recently. And I think what it is is I only bring bring people on when I have like a hook in my mind that I like I wanna know more. And then like I mm. I seriously sit there and um for me it actually comes from a very um a real place. Like none of these are shallow questions. These are like, well, I guess some of them are, but, (laughs) but like the point is, I want to get to know you like legitimately as a person. Totally. That's why I started a
1: podcast too. Interesting people are interested people. And I just want to, everybody that you meet is an expert in something that you don't know anything about. So I think Mm. that's, that's a great attitude to have. Um, but yeah, um, I took religion classes. As I said, I went to school for worship ministry. Um, and when I started taking Bible classes, and I hear this a lot from people who went to seminary, things started to unravel. Right? You learn a little bit more about the historicity of the Bible and all that jazz, and things just weren't really clicking. And at that point, the critical thinking part of my brain, as I said, was sort of revving up and taking taking over um, for the first time in my life. And so um, I started studying, and I honestly saw too much, and eventually it just kind of felt like, and I'm. I don't know if I feel this way anymore because I, I take a lot from my Christian experience that I probably wouldn't have been able to admit a couple years ago. But at the time, I just felt like, OK, so I've been lied to. Mm-hmm. I have been straight up lied to for years, um, but it wasn't until I think 2017 where I could say out lie out loud those terrible, terrible words of, I don't think Jesus was the son of God, which mm. any other time would have been just the most immense sin, right. To say out loud um, and admit to yourself. And so that was kind of when I was like, okay, nobody's going to strike me down from heaven. If I say this out loud.
0: Mm. Wow. Wow. Um. Yeah. It's, it's this weird, it's, it's a weird thing it's a weird thing to do and i still have fears that like i'm going to say something wrong or blaspheme the holy spirit or something um oh. with that kind of stuff do you ever have fears like that or
1: i well i'll start with i've i've never even as a christian had a fear of hell i okay. deconstructed the idea of hell much earlier than i deconstructed my christianity um mm. but i do have fear that I have chosen the wrong thing. And because if I have now, it's not just about me. Like I'm, I'm advocating against these things. So I'm Mm. bringing other people down with me. And that is an anxiety that haunts me sometimes. Um, you know, and, 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 the and, and just the idea of, I once loved this character, this character of Jesus, who's still such a beautiful, beautiful narrative, Mm. the life that he lived. Am I betraying him? Like, is he Mm -hmm. real? But I can't tell you the amount of times I have just cried on my knees in my bedroom saying, if you're real, please just give me a sign. And Mm -hmm. um, those are always the moments that sort of drag me back into reality. Like, you're Mm -hmm. okay. This is just the way that you were raised. And because of that, there are going to be fragments of it through your whole life where you feel really guilty and you feel like maybe you've been led astray. Um, people will say, you know, you're a slave of Satan. As you said in my intro, I get that a lot, things like that. And sometimes like maybe, you know, one out of 16 times I hear that I'm like, am I, am I being possessed by a demon right now?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know. (laughs) You you know, know? there's the, I, so why, why bothers me so much is. There was a time where people said, you know, people at school would tease me and they go like, "Would you do this for God? Would you do that for God?" and I was like, "I'd murder everyone in the world. I'd murder my entire family if God told me Yeah, to. And I was like, "I'd
1: kill myself."
0: Yeah, I would do if someone anything. held
1: a gun to my head yeah. and said, "Yeah.
0: 100%." Like wouldn't even blink. And like it wasn't it wasn't that I wanted to kill everyone in the world or kill my family or whatever, like or be as, but I was trying to get across a point that like if I knew it was God, there's nothing that that's I could wouldn't do because god was everything to me um mm. but now i don't believe in god so it's like oh geez like that's a pretty high level of faith to have in something or belief to have in something that you would literally die for this thing and now i i'm not convinced that there is a god so oh mm. like how do i know that i'm not going to be looking back at the time i am now and being like Oh, like I'm wearing orange robes, I've got a shaved head, and I'm like, ah, oh, why are you like this? Like, Buddha is the only way. Like, how do I know right. that I'm not going to be? Yeah.
1: And that's you the thing, I mean? is we don't know, right? Like, we are all individually in this life trying our best to do what we feel is right. And I think the difference is, is in the Christian worldview, there is a very clear right and wrong. My worldview now is right and wrong is subjective, right? Like every right mm-hmm. and wrong is just a manifestation of the the collective dysfunction, like of, of a person's ego. And so mm-hmm. it's just, it's like, how could I blame myself down yeah. the line for this? Because everybody's just trying to do the best they can, which is why I have a lot of grace for evangelicals, um, christians that i feel like are doing harm it's not about the belief for me it's about the system of oppression Mm. um but yeah that's very beautiful what you said it's like how how are we gonna know you know where (laughs) we are in 10 years yeah
0: i try and exactly i try and uh you know i went through my edgy atheist edgelord my atheist edgelord days as well um (laughs) but um where i was like really mad at religion. Uh, yeah. i'm not i'm still mad at some things like i'm still i'm still i'm still get like angry at the human injustices or when someone when someone starts defending slavery that that really bothers me like in the bible like a lot of christians yeah. will will start defending slavery and saying Jesus, oh yeah. you know and it's like oh come on like uh, or especially like um you know we have a I have a lot of lgbt friends um and it's like it really bothers me when people start going after them it's just like
1: Yeah. So I'm in the rage. rage. I'm in the rage phase right now. So what comes after this? Like, what phase are you in?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So are you in the rage phase? A rage phase or still?
1: I guess I'm sort of transitioning, but I still feel (laughs) motivated by rage, maybe like 20%
0: oh i still yeah i still get i'm still there like i but it's like waves but like when i talk about my edgelord atheist days like i was trying to have conversations with everyone like i was like it felt like i i needed to like bust my head open and scratch my brain like i just constantly wanted to like like question people and their beliefs and stuff because it was like to me it. you said it perfectly before where you said like it's not it's you know for me i never really thought that i was being lied to. I thought that if anything the church was just mistaken. But then when I realized I was being lied to, that people were actually maliciously saying like an Aaron ragos over this, especially with creationism. That there's quotes of like apologists saying, "I know the the fossil record that says this, but I believe it's important to teach this because otherwise it'll lead people away from God or or I know that um you know Uh, there's literally a quote it's okay to lie if you're lying for jesus like and that just blew my mind and when i found out that like
1: mm -hmm. yeah
0: that i I was was just gonna people
1: so (laughs) i I was gonna say like i i I think that you can be lied to without the other party being lucid enough to to um or, or conscious enough to see that so like i thought i was being lied to but i also accepted that they have no idea like yeah. d- I was told a lie, but I think they really believe it. So you think that people are actually know that this stuff is not true and are lying the, the, to
0: people about it. There are, there are some people who actually, yeah, they're very much like that. The like, really? they, they will actively, they'll actively, uh, like I would say, uh, uh, Ken Ham is someone like that. And you can tell like, he's a little angry about uh, angry at the world because of like that. Um, yeah uh, kent hovind um uh i i think i think part of it is like part of it is like tap dancing around questions that may are ambiguous for them but then i think sometimes they're just blatant lies and they know they're lies and they're just okay i would agree with
1: that like the celebrity grifter mm. crowd i think definitely but like when i think back to my church experience i'm like do i think those people were lying I don't know. I I think they were they. I think they thought it was true.
0: Yeah. No. I I'm with you there. I think that most people in church, in the local church or whatever, like they 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 think it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Or they or they or they tweak things to be in favor of their perspective, I guess. Yeah. Because I used to do it. I used to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And and like you talk a little bit about. You talk a little bit about emotional manipulation in worship songs on your TikTok. And I did the same thing. Um, you quoted and said, uh, I don't know if I wrote down, oh, you were talking about getting an emotional reaction from the crowd. Um, mm-hmm. And I used to do the same thing. I saw at a men's conference that they did an altar call and they went, it was a Hillsong men's conference, Sydney, 20, 20, 2009, I think. And
1: mm-hmm. they were like,
0: they were like, um, you know, everyone, heads bowed, eyes are closed, and then they'd say, like, God God is calling you, blah, 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 come out the front, blah, blah, blah. And then he'd be like, I'm going to count to three, and when you gets to three, I want you to come out the front. And then he'd be like, one, God loves you. Well, He cares about you. Like, you need to, like, if you feel a p- pounding on your heart, that's God talking, calling you to the front. Two, there's no one that's going to love you. And it was like the one, two, three. It's like the building up of anticipation yeah. to get someone to... And what I used to call it and what my the youth pastor I took over from used to call it, he used to say the job of a preacher was to get people to walk to the end of the diving board and then to dive into the spirit of God. That's the idea. That's the goal of a preacher. Yeah. So I knew it was manipulative, but I thought it was manipulative in a good way. I thought it was like getting people past people's flesh so that they could open their, their spirit and emotions up to God.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, And that that experience (laughs) you just illustrated is so universal too. like, I have been in hundreds of those moments, altar calls where they are like, if you feel your heart pounding, come to the front. Like, of course I feel my heart pounding. Like, this is a really awkward moment. Like I'm here with my mom and my dad and my grandma and we're all like closing our eyes. Like, it's just, it's so, it's such a tactic.
0: Mm. Such a tactic. It really is. Um, I, I would be remiss. Uh, I think that's the right word, but who knows? My brain is all over the place today. But I would be remiss, or I would it would be unfortunate if we didn't actually talk about the topic uh oh, that's in the description of this video, which is purity culture. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. have got a lot to say about purity culture, and um we we there's wink wink nudge nudge. There may be a possible panel coming on this channel in the new year. So stay tuned for that, everyone. Make sure you subscribe. But can you give us Tell us about purity culture. What did you experience in the church when it came to purity culture? Hmm. I Actually, I uh, yeah, I need to, I need to, I need to preface all of this with a quote that you quoted from someone else who quoted it from someone else on your TikTok. Sometime, um, I think I've written this wrong. Some of the, <laughs> some of Satan's best work is accomplished by women talking to women.
1: Yep. You quoted it perfectly. Unfortunately.
0: Oh, okay. right. <laughs> That's a real quote.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I have such complicated feelings about purity culture. It it hits such a nerve for me. Um and and just generally sexism in the church. On my newsletter today, I literally before I hopped on here, I was writing a newsletter about biblical womanhood, womanhood and um sort of how that has shaped modern gender roles. And it's just a really touchy subject because we are unequal. Like Christian women can say whatever they want. You're unequal. You are not viewed as an equal in your church. And that is just a fact. And um, I don't care how progressive your church is. Christianity is built off of the oppression of minorities. That's just... Mm -hmm the history of it. And it's not even debatable at this point. Like that is a core, a a cornerstone of the religion. And I think that that manifests a lot in purity culture, but the purity culture that I talk about and that a lot of people talk about, um, is a, it, it sort of encapsulates a time in evangelical history just as much as it is a movement. I think a lot of the people who are my age and your age can probably talk about very similar experiences about purity culture. Like when you were told about sex in church, if you were a woman, there was either ketchup and a white shirt involved, um, a flower with petals being picked off of it. Um, oh, there yeah. were stickers. Really? There were pledges and oaths. Oh, yeah did you well you were a man so no. you might not have gotten that talk but what, oh, was, your, t- what oh, was your what was your experience
0: so i i was on the other end of that so i didn't i didn't grow up in church so i but when i was like 16 and above i was running those meetings and being part of the people who run those meetings but it was essentially the men's groups became like anti-masturbation clubs like how long can we go without masturbating and let's text each other and pray for each other and be yep. accountable to each other uh for not masturbating. It was uh and it Covenant was so and funny. Eyes. Covenant yeah, and eyes, you all yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it's so funny. I I actually had a um it's so funny because I had Heaven uh, Heathen Queen on back in like the fifth episode of this podcast. We're up to like 36 now or something, so it's really cool. But I there was there was this um um so girls, what i what I've realized was was girls were taught to cover up right this is what i get tell me if i'm wrong girls were taught to cover up to like don't show a centimeter of cleavage to like have long dresses and stuff because you're going to be like tempting men right making men stumble
1: to give you some idea i would be dressed like a sex worker right now in my past church
0: wow (laughs) wow yeah yeah well well we're we're friendly to sex workers here as you can see and absolutely so. <laughs> but like
1: shoulders were not a thing
0: not okay not okay yeah. yeah 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 so um so but but in the so women were seen as like like that but men were seen like we were taught like you know you like essentially you are a predator you are like you won't be able to help yourself and you need to like like pray that shit away and um so what would happen is we would go like we would talk about like porn masturbation and this is where like 13 year olds like 12 year olds now I look back at yeah. it, it's kind of creepy but yeah. um they were all doing it because like whatever the internet these days but they um we would talk about like um about that and it was it was like we had like me and my friends like in our age group like 18 19 or whatever would would have like would be accountable to each other and we had like a men's group that we would go to but we would text each other when we were "Quote unquote." Um, so there was no masturbation, right? No masturbation, no porn, nothing. Yeah, yeah. And we would even go into video stores, like back when Blockbuster was a thing, and be like, "This is a quote war zone because there was so much sexual imagery everywhere." Totally. I need to get out of here. But anyway, um, but we would text each other when essentially when we were horny and the other person needed to pray, so we didn't mess up and masturbate. So, um, did that work? And, uh, no, it was horrible. <laughs> um, and you would and like. I don't mean to get too graphic but like oh no dudes would get dude was good to get like blue balls and be like in yeah. pain like physical pain. yeah but like the, the what's funny is like the start of the week it was usually okay but then by the end of the week it's like pray 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 pray. like you just get messages all the time like pray 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 yeah. so like and you'd be hanging out with someone and your buddy would be like oh you get a message and you'd go outside you like what's he doing and like he'd be praying outside because like ben in the other like I'm changing names obviously but yeah. Ben is like horny and he needs to pray for him and it was so wild and then they come to church on Sunday at the end of the week and you know um uh Martha has like you know she's 45 years old she's got like one centimeter of centimeter of cleavage showing and all the men are like oh, I can't control myself because they're so like, like horny because they haven't masturbated for like a week so yeah. it's like this it's like this self-fulfilling prophecy in that like you're a predator so you need to like hold back and then women are like showing like too much ankle and then yeah. it's turning dudes on because they haven't masturbated for so long and then it right. like, proves to them that they're a predator and it proves to the women that they're like need to cover up because you're making men stumble like it's crazy
1: yeah and the women in church by the way we feel that energy like i was on an all-male worship team throughout high school and I am a very, I'm a people person, like connection means so much to me. And I wanted to be accepted and liked by these guys so much, not in a romantic way, just in a friendship way. And I Mm. never felt like I could get there because I constantly felt like my presence was a stumbling block. And that was communicated to me. Like, I Ooh. I constantly felt like they will never see me as a friend because they see me as an object and it's true right like if you can't have a conversation with a female without having to go and rub one out in the other room like that's not a friend and so it's it's almost like you're so obsessed with sex to the point where you are ruining relationships with people mm. and Christian men women Christian women listening cover your ears Christian men watch porn at the same time percentage and frequency of every other man in america really they're not stopping yeah
0: yeah interesting what that's that's actually really interesting do you have statistics on women because i know one thing that i i learned too is that like one thing that was a little bit offensive to me on behalf of women is like why can't women be sexual like like why can't women like what why like this is not the 50s where like the wife just grits her teeth and just like yeah. deals with the husband like going to town for three minutes like this is like women can have orgasms women can like lust after people like why why is it it's almost like it's it's misogyny in a different way it's like why can't women be disgusting
1: yes predatorial,
0: Well, not predatorial, but you know what i mean like right
1: well as as a general rule um and I don't want to generalize, but a female at birth person typically is a little bit more easier to control in those spaces. And I, mm-hmm. I'm i just speaking from my experience because I didn't know that women could orgasm until I was in college. I never had comprehensive right. sex education other than abstinence only. And that had incredible repercussions on my romantic relationships as I deconstructed because I, I, I never... I I never had any sexual urges in the church because I was kind of taught that that wasn't really my space. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just me. I'm sure there were women though that were um, that felt more like, lustful and stuff like that, I kind of just wanted to be like, uh, like accepted desperately. Like Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be in a relationship because I wanted to marry someone. Um, But Mm -hmm. I know that there were women in my church who definitely felt more sexual at that age. Maybe I was just a late bloomer, but I think generally women are kind of programmed to think that that's not really their area of expertise. Um, or an area of interest for them because they're supposed to be the lily white virgin brides on their wedding night and then instantly shift into porn star mode the moment that they get
0: married, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the um, the, amen. And um, <laughs> the, the, there's um, uh, uh, the, actually, Arun Ra, I keep talking about Aaron Ra this episode, but Aaron Ra actually mentioned in one of his videos that the highest, I don't know if these statistics are up to date, they're probably not, they're probably 10 years old. But where they, there are certain states in America that do only abstinence-only sex education, uh, mm. and those those um, states have the highest rates of um, rape, abortion, and repeat uh, teen abortion and repeat teen abortion. Yeah. So it's like, I, I've heard someone, I've heard someone who was pretty pro, they were pro-life, they were slightly pro-life, but now they're pro-choice. But at th- the time, they said. I want to curve the amount of like people getting ra- um sorry abortions um by teaching sex education in school by giving free contraception to people like that's how you tackle these things but these things aren't being they're being tackled but that's a very very
1: polarizing notion most of the pro-life crowd would say that they think that we Mm. are over sexualizing uh youth by teaching them comprehensive sex education and Mm. the truth is and the statistics show that comprehensive sex education informs and empowers young people to the point where they're not in those difficult situations but for some reason there's so much debate over that and um i think that that is a big
0: mistake so, so when you when you got so you're married now, right?
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: So when yes, you married got married to my partner married, Drew, yep. Drew, cool, mm-hmm, cool. I think yep. I've seen him in some of your TikToks.
1: Yes, we'll be married about. one year in January.
0: First, oh, how first awesome. Anniversary coming up. <laughs> oh, how exciting! So when when you first started having um sex or getting married or, or whatever, mm-hmm. did you did did you have any like guilts around sex at all or anything like that um because i know for me so my wife and i slept together for the first night on our wedding night we were both mm-hmm. we full-on christians Ah, it's yeah, yeah. um and we and for me guilt has always been associated like there's always been guilt around sex even with my wife like mm-hmm. nine times out of ten I'll feel anxious leading up to sex or anxious after sex. And only like one time out of 10, I'm like, oh, this is great. Everything's fine. And I, Mm -hmm. and I, it's all because of the purity culture. You
1: still experience that?
0: Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Man,
1: Um, I'm sorry.
0: It's been like eight years and I still, I still, well, it's not, it's not so much. um, It's not so much anymore, but it's definitely like, um, without getting too graphic the difference yeah. between i feel more i feel guilty when we do i guess more lustful kind of like sex instead of like mm. as opposed to like making love so like sure. i still feel a little bit guilt towards that uh sure.
1: i would say that well, i agree with that yeah when you get into yeah. more like kinkier stuff it's kind of like oh this isn't how god intended it huh <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah yeah But yeah, to
1: answer your question, that did have a lot of repercussions. Not in the same way, though. Um, So I had sexual experiences outside of my marriage and outside of my current partner. Um, But I didn't feel guilt. I think that was something that I was able to sort of decondition myself from. However, the implications that – no one prepared me for pornography in a marriage or in a relationship, not to mm. divulge too much, but like that no. that's something that no divulge one talked about with me. Yeah. So I had a really hard time accepting that in my relationships. Um they the church sort of represents this image of a man and a woman, or you know, obviously only a man and a woman in the church, but people in a relationship um, in my world uh being. <laughs> Only lustful and in love and attracted to each other.
0: There Mm -hmm. was never
1: any talk about, okay, we're in the real world. We're humans. We're animals essentially, right? Like we are Mm. sort of like monkeys at this point. Um, Mm. You are going to have attraction to people outside of your marriage. Your partner is not going to fulfill all of your needs emotionally or physically. And that's something that was never talked about and so hard for me to wrap my head around because Mm. by the time that I was starting to feel like sexually liberated, I was so, so monogamous to the point that I was like jealous over everything. And luckily Mm. I'm in a very open and loving and accepting relationship now where like I, I see things for what they are, but because I didn't grow up with porn use, I thought it was a really personal thing. Like I thought, okay, you're watching someone else have sex. You're in love with them, right? Like you, Mm. you you see something in them that you don't have in me. And I would just personalize it to a point where I was torturing myself. And, Mm. um, but that was because I never had experience with it. So now as a grown person, mom and dad don't listen that I has experience and enjoys the use of pornography. I'm very like, Open and I understand mm. now, but because there's no exposure to that stuff in the church, I think it has detrimental effects on people and relationships when they realize, like, "Oh, we've been married for 50 years, and um, you know, I'm I'm not going to fulfill every need that you have."
0: Mm. It's actually there's a really good book by uh, I forgot who it is, it is uh, who who wrote it. Um, let me just look it up. Called Mating in Captivity." And I it's think about I've heard sex. Yeah, it's by Esther Perel. It's mm. fantastic. Um, it, although it is quite con- confronting because it talks about like essentially like it talks about like different things work for different couples. Some couples love to be really monogamous. Some couples like to watch porn together. Some couples. Yes, yeah. Th- there was this story about like this couple that was like happily married and for like 30, 40 years. Stuff started getting like really like it started getting really frustrating for both both of them. Um, and the way they solved that was the, the man would go, uh, and like go visit prostitutes and that worked really well for them.
1: Totally. The and point, I don't mean to point... generalize with what I'm saying, by the way, for oh, those yeah. who, there is not a right or wrong way to do it. I just no, was only in no one tricky. way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's the thing. It's, it's just, it's really, it's for me, I was the same. It's like really like, I remember, I remember actually, so I, I saw, I saw porn at like six years old like like really young young. yeah and like shown to enjoy it at that that age um i I don't know if you you probably you probably call it a form of like molestation or whatever but like it wasn't like i wasn't raped or anything but like a a friend of an older a brother a friend's brother or whatever showed me and his brother how to like watch porn and like enjoy it like and so but Brown, but that's a boundary didn't...
1: cross for sure yeah
0: definitely yeah it's definitely not you know, I'm not going to report him and like get him like sent to the police because he's only like mm-hmm. a few old, but like still it's not cool yeah, um, yeah I don't like saying molested though because like there's, there's there seems to be like a spectrum between that and like getting held down and raped yeah. like this there was you know, an
1: innocence that was yeah. taken from yeah, me that day yeah,
0: yeah. 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 I, I remember asking like, constantly, like are you sure this isn't illegal because there's just something about it felt wrong not yeah. to get too dark holy shit <laughs> but um, but the um, but then you know when I was later on when I was like eleven, um, I I eleven or twelve I first like learned about masturbation and um, um, and like pornography and loved it like huge fan huge fan yeah. of porn, um, but one of the things um, and that was always like the thorn in my side right that was always like the thing that that I wanted to remove in church, mm. and uh, I remember talking to a therapist actually, and they said to me. Um, I hope one day you and your wife can like watch porn together or like mm. enjoy it together or whatever. Cause he's like, cause he said to me, like, he's like, you seem so anguished, but he's like, but you're describing things that are pleasurable, like watching porn, but you seem so anguished about that. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then, and then when he said that, I hope one day you and your wife be able to watch porn. I was like, I actually got rid of that therapist. I was like, this guy is loopy. He's insane. Sure. Like, he's mm. like, this is. That would never like that is such the opposite of what I would ever consider in a proper marriage or whatever. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. Yeah. I totally well, I w- empathize
0: I won't, go, with that. I won't go I won't go in too much detail, but let to say my wife and I have come a long way in in, in that regard and we're a lot more free sure. in our, our relationship. But it's just um it's it's very interesting how purity culture and the way you're taught about church, uh, the way you taught about sexual relationships in church can be so juvenile, like so yeah. one-dimensional. It's almost
1: like if we water it down enough, maybe people won't ask questions. But human mm. desire is so much more complex than have sex inside of marriage and not outside of marriage, right? Like there's so much mm. ground that's not covered, and so we're kind of left in the rubble having to pick up the pieces and figure out what it all means after the fact. And um Turns out it can be a really beautiful thing. And turns out human desire and pleasure, not a bad thing, not evil, <laughs> definitely not evil. Yeah. And and relationships can look any way that you want. And what matters is that you have trust and love with your partner or partners, right? Like mm-hmm. life is what you make it. And, and there's just such black and white rules about what you can and cannot do, especially inside of purity culture. Um, but damn, yeah, I'm glad we made it through. I'm glad you guys are growing. Hey. We are
0: too. Hey, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah,
1: cheers. So,
0: <laughs> cheers. Um, when you when you were saying before, I, um, uh, like when you said like oh you know kinky sex and stuff, I imagine I was going to make this joke and I imagined like Drew in like a little dress like coming out and uh, it was totally perfect. Totally. Um,
1: little nurse's outfit.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. I told it, I told Amy, my wife, I was like, I'm gonna get some beautiful lacy lingerie for our time. It's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, beautiful, lake. <laughs> like happy yeah. Valentine's Day, babe. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Um oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> something
0: yeah something I did wanna touch on before we wrap up. And if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask in the um in the comment section. Um I see a lot of comments here. I haven't had a chance to read them because I'm focusing on the conversation, but um I see a lot of um how to watch porn for dummies is that a thing <laughs> um, just DM like me, I'll help tell works. you how to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you said something that like blew me away because like I don't I didn't know anyone that had, and this is just such a tangent, but I don't know anyone who had such a similar thought, which was as i did is you said it's easy to be an asshole to the earth when you believe that it's going you're going to be raptured and i was like right damn like that was that's such i used to believe the same thing about climate change and and, yeah. and stuff like that right
1: do you ever come home from your house and you're like, where is everybody? Did I miss the rapture and just freak out because your mom and dad aren't answering?
0: No, nah, okay. nah. we never had it. We never have big rapture. Me neither. In my circle. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, we had, um, <laughs> we, um, so, but what I used to say was, so this was a stupid analogy I used to come up with. It was partly a joke, but it was partly not. So I used to say. Have you ever cleaned up your room? I used to tell everyone, have you ever cleaned up your room and it's really messy? And like you clean it and it's like perfect. And then you're like, you're so happy and you sleep better and it's just nice and clean. And they're like, Yeah. I'm like, Yeah, well, that's that that's that's awesome, right? And like, yeah, and I'm like, cool. God can do anything in like a second, and He's gonna renew this this earth perfectly. And I was like, So what's what's more enjoyable to clean up? A totally destroyed earth or Earth, that's pretty good and i used to make this joke as if like we should just trash the earth it was a joke but it was also like i didn't care about climate change like jesus was coming back in in five years why do i care about climate change Mm -hmm. yeah it's
1: yeah yeah. it's so true and and they they can say be a good steward they can say yeah take care of the earth (laughs) But when you feel like Jesus is coming back and, and everyone I've heard from says that we are ushering in the end times, apparently I'm part of that since I'm the Antichrist, but they say like, yeah, hey. the end times are coming. <laughs> hey, it's just us. <laughs> <laughs>
0: next time, next time I have you on, I'll get you to wear like um, a, uh, a, like an Antichrist filter on Snapchat and I'll interview you as you as the Antichrist. <laughs> okay. I would <laughs>
1: love that. I feel like I can really, <laughs> really take that places and get into character. So but yeah, good. being good stewards of the earth doesn't mean much when you do feel that the earth is disposable and you feel that, um, you know, Jesus is coming back, which newsflash in the Bible, Jesus told his disciples that he was going to come back during their lifetimes. And um, mm. unless I missed something, I don't think that he has. So mm. it's like, this is the only earth we get, right? And And even if you do believe Jesus is coming back, can't you just get on board with like solar panels? (laughs) Like what's the fucking problem?
0: (laughs) Yeah. What, what if we make this, this earth better for nothing? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Exactly. um... Yeah.
1: Like, why are you just, uh, because it's political though, right? Like it has become a political issue, which means that if your pastor says vote for Trump, not to get too political, but you're probably not going to support climate change. Right.
0: Mm. That's the thing is, um, is, like and you can even see like Jesus said explicitly in the Bible. Like, I tell you the truth, people standing here will not taste death until they see all these things happen. There's some yeah. men coming on the clouds, etc. And it's like I don't know how you get around that. Um, I used they to find get a inc- way. They get. I used to get. Yeah, I remember one of these like pastor. He had a masters in theology that I used to go see as a counselor. He's a dickhead. now um, but he would say. <laughs> Um, that there was a second death. The second death is like so he made up this like second death, and there's like a heavenly realm, like and anyway, all this kind of like stuff. But it's it's clearly not what they're referencing. And you can even see Paul getting insecure about that in the later books of you know, 40 written 40 years later, Mm. after those were written, he's getting nervous about it, and he's like, You know, well, some people say that Jesus was supposed to come back, and he's getting like you can see. I wish I had the scriptures, but you can see he's getting like anxious about it even in the Bible, and it's like and making excuses. Um
1: The Bible is is sort of like sort of like a workshop that I took at Joanne's scrapbooking store when I was growing up. You kind of just take whatever parts fit with that page and you paste them in and forget the rest. And um, just little snippets, you know, when it's convenient for you and when it's not convenient for you, then you have four different concepts that Christians can choose from, from each denomination and pull from and decide, oh yeah, well, that's the second death, you know, obviously like Jesus, yada, yada, yada. It's just so comical.
0: Yeah. What do you think about the resurrection? Because that one thing that gets me is it is pretty historically, um, like we have a lot, like we have a lot, of sources like ancient sources written within 50 years of the resurrection happening um what are your thoughts on that that you know on the resurrection do you think um... they were just mistaken or do you think uh, that jesus body was stolen or something or like what how do you how do you because like we have i'm slipping into an apologist mindset but we have evidence of like jesus resurrection more we have more evidence of that than we do for some of the other things that we take for complete granted like um that we take for granted we don't take for granted in history history so like yeah. actual like proper events yeah
1: yeah yeah well i mean i would say first of all i don't claim to be an expert on this stuff um I'm always open. And if the evidence is presented, I'll change my position at any moment in time. Um, Uh I have done some, (laughs) what
0: (laughs) you shouldn't do that. (laughs) No, no. I mean, if enough
1: evidence is presented, that's the thing. It's like, I am open (laughs) to new points of
0: views. You're you're the um, Bill Nye. You're the Bill Nye. I'm the Bill
1: Nye. Right. Like, like I'm skeptical. Um, Mm. but I did have a correspondence with, with a, a friend that I used to go to church with through email that, um, was really interesting. Um, cause I messaged him actually, like maybe a year ago, I emailed him and I was like, Hey, I'm really wanting to like dig back in now that I have solid footing in like my agnostic atheist, whateverist. um, identity. I want to relearn um, the history of the Bible from, from an actual historical unbiased perspective. And he sent me a bunch of stuff. It was like case for Christy, you know, very circular reasoning sort of books. Um, But, but, you know, I think like if the resurrection is true, that makes things true, right? Like that makes the 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 soul of christianity true because the soul of christianity is not based on you know whether or not homosexuality is a sin it's based on whether or not jesus rose from the grave and i'm just very skeptical i haven't seen enough evidence for it i would love to see your sources um but i think my mind also goes to like why aren't we seeing that now like it's awfully convenient Mm. that we're not seeing that now i don't know if you remember bethel um Bethel, a couple years ago, one of their pastor's daughters sadly passed away and they spent five days trying to resurrect her through prayer. And when that happened, I was really hanging on the edge of my seat. I think even though in my heart and in my mind, I knew it wasn't going to happen. I I was like,
0: yeah, they worshiped around her
1: body for like five days.
0: That's brutal. Yeah. That is so sad. Yeah.
1: And I don't Um, wish any, you know, obviously it's so terrible for that family and I I hope that they're healing, but it was just like, I was like, is this going to happen? And when it didn't, I was like, okay, so we're back to square one, right? Like it's obviously not going to happen.
0: So the thing that really stands out to me is the book of Mark is our earliest gospel. Um, Also, if you want like some really excellent, like history kind of stuff, Bart Ehrman's books, amazing. You know who Bart Ehrman is? No he's the great a professor of new testament studies at i don't know but he's written 23 books I and would love to he he Eric. goes yeah. right into he's an, he's actually he's actually not a christian anymore he was a christian when he started seminary but he's not a christian he's like mm-hmm. one of the leading experts in um the new testament textual you criticism send
1: me his name after this i want to oh god
0: he is insane in fact um derek who we're having on next week has interviewed bart um and it, it's 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 it is phenomenal but sorry i'm going to go on a random tangent do you know so this is a book um, Bart um Ehrman wrote called lost christianities and yeah. in the first 300 years of christianity before christianity was like uh, uh canonized before the bible was canonized there were different sects of christianity like really wild sex of christianity so there was what he calls the proto-orthodox which is what the roman church um, under caesar i'm a bit drunk uh, uh, one of them <laughs> one of the emperors <laughs> became became but then there was um the what they call the marcionites the marcionites rejected the entire old testament they thought jesus was a god that came to save us from the old testament god and that Paul mm. was a okay, like Paul was awesome, but they rejected the Old Testament as an evil mm, deity mm. that Jesus came to save us from. These were Christians. Mm. Then there were the Ebionites. The Ebionites believe that Paul was rubbish. Like you don't trust anything Paul wrote, which is two thirds of the New Testament. You were a vegetarian. You followed all the Old Testament laws. They were essentially a Jewish sect. Then you have mm. the Gnostics, who believe that Jesus was a a yeah. phantasm, a ghost. He wasn't like mm-hmm. a real thing on this earth and mm-hmm. and then he became the son of god when he got crucified. Yeah. You you have this wide variety of of religious perspectives within Christianity and that right. shifts when the Ro- uh, when Rome um, takes on Christianity as their main religion. Right, in,
1: right, you know. right, right. And now there's so, only one way. Well, I'm David, before we move on, I, I got to ask this. So, if you think that the resurrection happened, how do you identify? Oh, you don't.
0: I don't know. I keep keep misleading you. You play
1: the devil's advocate so well, too well. Yeah, but I love that. I love that yeah. you, you're you know open to yeah. these perspectives. So wait, after all the evidence you've seen, why don't you think that it happened?
0: Well, I don't think there is. The, so the evidence is like so. What we have is we have a bunch of anonymous accounts written thirty to forty years yeah. after the fact about this thing happening, right? But the mm. problem is, is and people will say, well, that's we have we have even worse accounts for things like Julius Caesar and what he did. Um, not that I even know who Julius Caesar really is. I'm really bad at history. But the they, they'll point at that. Yeah, yeah. But but the um but the the difference is is and I and I always point back to Hume for these things. David Hume, the philosopher David Hume, he says, mm. um he 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 says that that which can be used. Oh, I'm gonna get this get this wrong. Um, my brain isn't all there, but um,
1: <laughs> it's the
0: white. A test, a test, yeah. A testimony is never a sufficient in a, to establish a miracle, right? Unless that testimony be so miraculous, uh, like it's 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 this its um, disapproval will be, be so miraculous that a, a greater miracle than the testimony in which it tries to in- endeavour. Yeah. So. I kind of point to that the fact that the difference is is the story of jesus um resurrection is miraculous in nature secondly there are multiple accounts of people being resurrected even today even i was just gonna
1: say like before um not to cut you off but before even um like the accounts of jesus and the story of his life there were other accounts of people who lived almost identical lives to jesus like i think is Gilgamesh one? I don't remember, but who G- who were crucified and resurrected? Like that was a common narrative.
0: Mm. It's not. Gilgamesh is, is a bit different. That that follows the story of Noah. No, 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 you're good, you're good, you're, you're on the right, right path. There are a lot of you have to watch because there are a lot, are a lot of people who will stretch that narrative a little bit too far. Like, uh, Bill Maher does that in his documentary where he says that there's all these um religions that like uh, 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 are similar to Jesus. It's not necessarily not necessarily true, but but there We're are not religions
1: are... but stories,
0: yeah, yeah. And there is like there's the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is one of the first pieces of literature that we've ever had, and it has the Great Flood. Right, has the worldwide flood, it has a, a bird flying out and all that stuff. And and of course, um a, a lot of people believe that the story of Noah came from a, a a changing of this. If you want to watch, um, I had an Assyriologist on um Dr. Josh Bowen, and he talks about this. Um he's like an expert in the Old Testament, expert in Assyriology, which is the study of Mesopotamia. But anyway, the thing with the story of Jesus is one, you got a miracle. So Miracle is like, okay, well, you're writing something down historically that's different to what Julius Caesar did. If it said Julius Caesar was flying around the moon on a on a horse, then I would say no, that's probably not accurate. Secondly, the earliest accounts we have of Jesus' resurrection don't mention the empty tomb. They don't mention the empty tomb. Uh, sorry, they don't mention resurrected Jesus. They don't mention the, the virgin birth. They don't mention... Um, the disciples encounter with the resurrected jesus it ends abruptly at the empty tomb women went to the tomb they were like oh the tomb's empty that's where it ends that's where the original gospel of mark ends and you can actually meaning see what? Ep- meaning that the second part of the gospel was added later so our earliest manuscripts end at that at verses 16 mm. i think it is well then in, so, the, in the
1: earlier version why was the tomb empty
0: oh well okay um i can think of a million different well okay i don't know <laughs> the tomb was maybe empty maybe maybe someone stole the body maybe um sure
1: okay got uh, it, it. Yes. Yeah, maybe so-
0: maybe they got maybe they got the wrong tomb like it, right right but like it's just very strange that they don't it's written 30 years after the fact and it doesn't mention the fact that jesus appeared to 500 people it doesn't mention that jesus floated off into the clouds it doesn't mention any mm-hmm. of that it mm-hmm. just cuts at the empty tomb why to me, that's to me that's like the smoking gun. To me, that's like okay, this is a bit bit silly. But furthermore, you can test the consistency of the Bible, like the of the gospel stories, and they're not there. There are errors throughout the whole Bible, like the new uh, the gospels, and I yeah. point them out. In my, in my well, videos, they're all but, written
1: so far apart, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I don't necessarily um, subscribe right. to it. And also, yeah. even if it, let's say that there was a resurrection, like we have accounts like Sathrasai Baba. A million people attended his birthday. There is video evidence of him performing miracles and testimonies of people still alive today talking about how he raised them from the dead. Eight people, okay. What? But, but Christians, yeah. Um, this book here—it's called *Modern Miracles*: Satra Baba, the Story of the Modern-Day Prophet. He's like a—he's like a guru. Sam Harris talks about him. But, oh, and there was investigations into him. So one thing is he used to make gold appear in his hands and um, gold watches and stuff. But then when he died, he um, they found a bunch of, like, watches in his apartment. This is him. He also prophesied that he's that guy there. He also so he prophesied... was a magician? I don't know what he was. I haven't read this book yet. But he, he um, prophesied that he would return 10 years, like he would come back to life 10 years after his death. He didn't. So, um, but the thing is, one million people attested to seeing this, like, came to his birthday party, like, his celebration. Uh, multiple people attested to seeing him raise people from the dead with video cameras and everything in, 20, in the 21st century, right? I'm just so, like, it's like
1: skeptic at this point. It's honestly <laughs> comical. Well,
0: I well I, I feel like i need to clarify i don't believe this happened i'm just pointing out that that there are people who believe it and they have right. evidence better than better than the new testament right so if you going right. and follow the if you're going to follow the testimony of the new testament why aren't you following you know so so right to me that's, right, right, that's, right. that's why yeah yeah it's like you would the need human to mind show... is
1: a powerful thing
0: <laughs> very much very much so and for when I don't know the answer to something, when something is too miraculous or something, I go, I don't know. I, I don't have the answers. I haven't, I, I'm not sure. But like, if when someone can provide like a cohesive worldview that actually works, I, I remain agnostic. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. You strike me as a guy who likes, I who has a seen a lot of miracles. Mm-hmm.
0: No, I don't think so. No. Okay. No. No.
1: You just strike me as a guy.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I'll, um, I'll tell you about them sometime. <laughs> uh, I did promise we weren't going to go over 90 minutes. Um, so everyone, I want you to all go check out um, Feral our, our Ministries podcast, Please go check it out. It is really good. Um, I only listened to the first few minutes of this. I've been <laughs> super busy the last couple of days. And it only came yes, out a couple of days yes. ago. But we went to one's... Remnant
1: Fellowship last week. The cult from The Way Down on HBO Max actually went in to like an event that they were having. It's crazy. Yeah.
0: It's. It I was... think I, I. actually think I stopped it because I was like, I don't know what this cult is. Like I have to look at, watch that documentary. Like I haven't seen it. What? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You've got it.
1: You. Oh, okay. you've got to. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, so make sure you check out Feral Ministries podcast. It's on Spotify. Is it on every other podcasting? platform as it's well? Right it now Spotify? it's on
1: Spotify, Substack and Podbean. Um, I'm trying oh, to get it on right. on Apple, but I'm having some technical difficulties with them. So hang in mm. with us, follow me and I will post when it's up on those platforms, Google podcasts, all of that. But it's it's a passion project of mine. I've loved doing it. I have some really exciting interviews coming up. So check it out. It's very lighthearted, but also, you know, balanced with some heavy practical stuff about deconstruction uh, from faith. So yeah, check us
0: out. And it's also, it's, they're very high production value. Like you've got music in there. Like it's, um, it's, it's, it's good. It's, um, it's really good. It it really made me feel hearing
1: it. So
0: bear with
1: me. I'm working on it.
0: (laughs) No, it's really good. I thought it was great. It made me, it put me to shame because we also have our, um, podcast on, um, on Spotify, but I really seriously just upload the audio from what we're doing. So, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) um so make sure you go check that out um and may as well plug mine as well if you'd like to listen to podcasts instead of um watching them you can check them out here also emily on tiktok it's a great time funny funny videos and great videos 77000 subscribers that's gone up since yesterday that's cool <laughs> yeah. uh and make sure you subscribe to deep drinks podcast if you like content like this let's get into the q a Let's get into the QA. And this yeah, time and we can go a
1: little it. bit over David if we need to.
0: Okay. Okay. Um Yeah. Oh, well, look, I'll have to have you on again another time because there's like we didn't even get to like one of the subjects I wanted to touch on. But um but okay. yeah, we should we should definitely make some more content again in the future. Yeah, yeah. Uh so I'm I've just got two questions for you. Um and the first one is you'll know it because if you've watched the Bill and I versus Ken Ham Debate. And it's what I started this whole podcast kind of with. And I ask every, I ask almost every guest, unless it's inappropriate. What, if anything, would change your mind?
1: Anything at any time. Enough evidence would change my mind.
0: You need the fossil, you need the fish. I need the fossil records. (laughs) I need, I need the
1: ice layers. I need, but the (laughs) thing is, I mean, I think. And I think where religion fails us um, as a society is it sort of programs us to be closed-minded to uh, evidence and to the possibilities. And I like to wake up every morning with an open hand and accept whatever feels or proves itself to be true that day. And it's ever-changing. But I think that's the way to live life, right? Like you, you're you mm-hmm. always open um, to receive new truth and... Uh, that's that's the way I like to approach life so I would say what would change my mind um, anything anything could change my mind if it's compelling enough
0: yeah that's that's great that's a great answer I would would say you agree that's with that exa- yeah I'm exactly anything uh I, it's on my um Facebook it's like a wise man proportions his belief to the evidence and that's that's why mm. I try to live my life by David Hume once again um mm-hmm. I just try and I try and I always try and take my emotion out of things unless I'm talking about like art or music or something emotionally but but for the most thing when I'm trying to work out if something's true or not I try and remove my emotion and I try and analyze the evidence as best as I can yeah
1: right right Um, I think um, you know My my previous life, my previous life as a very devout Christian was very wrapped up in identity and attachment, and I I really try to um, abstract myself from that nowadays because I I don't want who I think Emily is to define what my truth is, and I think Mm. oftentimes it's really easy to identify with the narratives that we tell ourselves to comfort ourselves in life, and um, it's actually very freeing to sort of detach from that identity and just say. I'm just a human living on earth right now, um, which is crazy and insane. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, just don't take this stuff too seriously. Like just live Mm. life. Like maybe the meaning of life is just to experience and learn and grow. And so I think when you have that mindset, it's really easy to, um, approach and accept new ideas.
0: Mm. Oh, I've got so many little like clips and videos I want to send you and like show you (laughs) book suggestions. Okay. Um, so, uh, and the last, uh, question, um, what is the most plausibly true religion you don't believe in?
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what? A great question. Um.
0: <laughs> it's good, right? Cause you can ask both religious and atheist people.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Um.
0: I'm a what genius. Is most,
1: what is the most plausible <laughs> <Sorry>. really? <laughs> I think flying spaghetti monster
0: really is that really the most possibly true religion? okay
1: i don't it, it has to be some eastern religion i mean i guess buddhism <laughs> is a philosophy right oh, like
0: no, what? what everyone what? chooses buddhism everyone everyone well lies. it's a
1: philosophy it's not as dogmatic yeah. i feel like i don't know um maybe i'm wrong about that but no i already I, implement a lot of that in my life <laughs> yeah. now um god religion like give me some like give me a multiple choice um,
0: like islam um hari krishnas um hinduism buddhism mormonism jehovah's witness um zoroastrianism um
1: when you uh, say plausible do you mean what i think i could make myself believe or just what (laughs) i would like to believe
0: uh i guess the one that like okay so you don't believe in the bible right
1: i mean i believe in the historical document Yeah, yeah, but you don't. don't, Yeah,
0: so then adding like Mormonism to it—that adds like a third testament. That that would be like more. But the way I look at it is like that's more absurd, right? Because you're adding, you're stacking on top of an already. So, um, so I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess the one, I guess the one that's the least absurd, like the the one that can can conforms the most with reality. Scientology.
1: Oh my god! I don't think any of the ones you just named, in my opinion, conform with reality to any degree. Um, mm. That's a side really note. Hard question.
0: There was there was someone who called up the atheist experience once. Do you, you know the atheist experience? I do not. Oh, you have to check it out on YouTube. It's amazing. Okay. Um, okay. So people people call up and they ask atheist questions, and Matt Dillahunty is on oh. there, and he's yeah, mm. it's, it's cool. Well, he's not anymore, but he used to be for twenty years. But he mm. um. So a Mormon called up and they said they could never get rid of their religious their, their religion because they had a vision and in this vision they felt like they went into the throne room of heaven and there was God there was Jesus and there was um, um Joseph Smith on the right hand right or the left hand of God or the right hand of God right hand of Jesus or something yeah and I'm like wow I was like this person is having a vision about something I definitely don't consider true which is Mormonism. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I was just like, huh. So people can have visions about things that I think are definitely not true.
1: So David, of I- course. <laughs> of, I, I, when I was Christian, I would wake up in the middle of the night and audibly hear the voice of God talking to me. You know how powerful the human wow. mind is? yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I can say today, that was not God. I can <laughs> absolutely tell you that was Emily's brain you know just like swarming around the narrative that i was so deeply entrenched in yeah i believe that
0: have have you um have you looked into psychedelics at all oh yeah
1: (laughs) i've more than looked into it brother (laughs) okay okay
0: let's talk about that sometimes i'm i don't i haven't i haven't done any psychedelics um well i have i've done lsd once but it was such a i was so stoned it didn't matter but the um (laughs) But the the, but like there's a lot of it, research coming out now about like yeah you know, and I haven't I had a, I had a yeah I've had <laughs> friends who've had a little bit too much and gone a little bit schizophrenic ego death um, yeah you can do that uh, yeah no but this is like in a mental institution like permanent kind of thing like not really oh good. shit so, okay. so I'm a bit but. For the most part, if you do it responsibly, um, actually, I'm not even going to advocate for that. But there is a lot of interesting research that comes out, and I'd love to talk to you about it again in the future. Because absolutely. Yeah, so, it's, answer it's to your word.
1: question: What's the most plausible religion? If you want to know, watch Fantastic Fungi, Fungi on Netflix. Okay, that right Fantastic. there is my most plausible religion.
0: Is that got the um dude who wears a mushroom hat in it?
1: Potentially. Like, um, oh he's yes. Like-
0: the, the mushroom guy and he like yeah, yeah. He, he like was on a tree and like yes. He, yeah yes yeah, yeah, yes
1: yeah. 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 yeah yeah incredible stuff
0: <laughs> well um emily there that is awesome uh, guys let me know if you, this interview was a little bit more chill i knew um i've been super busy at the end of this year but um i also knew emily was going to be a great guest and be able to just literally have like a casual conversation with let me know if you'd like these casual conversations if you like it to be a little bit more chill a little bit more um ch- chill. I guess <laughs> yeah, so I was gonna say Joe Rogan-esque, but I don't really want to associate. But <laughs> but everyone, make sure you go check out um, Feral Passes by Feral Ministry Podcast. And uh, Emily, is there anything else you wanted to say before we leave? I don't
1: think so. I love what you're doing. I think this is so entertaining. I've watched a lot of your stuff already. So thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure spending my evening with you and all of you listening.
0: Thanks, guys, and I'll see you guys all next week for our last episode of the year. See ya.